Hello and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Podcast. On this episode, I get one of my best friends in the fitness industry, Nick Daniel, on the show. I've known Nick for many, many years. When I started at my former workplace, he was running education and mentoring. And I probably to this day hold him in closest regard as my best and biggest influence and mentor in the industry. The guy is a true wealth of knowledge and something that as as always I've always really resonated with with Nick is that we've shared very very similar paths and he's just that little bit further down the journey than me which always strikes for an interesting parallel always strikes for a lot of common ground to have a fantastic discussion and this episode is as always a fantastic discussion. We talk about how to be resilient inside and out. If anyone's looking at this that wants to improve their mindset, their life, their training, their body, their injuries and their relationship, we do cover it all. We cover all the stepping stones of what it really takes to be truly happy and truly fulfilled and the life lessons that we've both learned along the way. Nick has had a really, really interesting life and has gone through many ups and downs and it's definitely something you, you Everybody will take something from this episode. So I will leave you with myself and Nick Daniel. I will say this, though, as we start recording, before we go into you and learning about you, um, one thing I wanted to talk about, I was deliberately doing this before I click record because I want to see your reaction to this. You're a big fan of The Rock, right? Like me. And yeah. did you hear that he's released a rap album? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard it? Let, let's just say, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of his rapping. Uh, but you gotta give it to the guy. It's <laughs> everything. He's, the thing is though, it's one of those things. Like you're talking about mindset and shit. This is a guy who's just like, fuck it, I can do anything. And everyone always goes, oh my God, you're so talented. It's just someone who's willing to put himself out there and try new things and just fucking do shit. Because half the time, that's all it is. It's just the willingness to do, to try something and put yourself out there, which many aren't. So, Have you seen again, his Vanity Fair video? Oh, I saw a clip of that. Oh, he's brilliant. And you just go, you just zoom in on him and talk like increasingly personal questions. And that's yeah. interesting. And it's like when you listen to The Rock and you, like you said, it's like things like he's, he's he was told to lose weight when he started in Hollywood. And he was told he had to act a certain way and be a certain way. And, he, you know, like and how he, when he felt insecure and was like, he even The Rock feels the same things we, we deal with on a day-to-day basis. You make sure to push that. Look, look, the fact of the matter is it's... Uh... Like the two people that I admire most, uh, you know, they're my kind of two celebrity admire most. And, and there might be like the um, cliche ones, whatever, but it is Arnie and it's and it's The Rock. And people are like, when I say Arnold Schwarzenegger, everyone's like, oh, yeah, because he's a bodybuilder. I'm like, no, not one bit because he's a bodybuilder. I don't think he had the best physique ever. You know, he, I, I'm not, I don't love him because he's a bodybuilder. I loved him for the fact that he was a kid stuck in this little little town in Austria. And it's like, he said, I want to be a bodybuilder. He put, he wanna go, hey, I want to go to Hollywood. And he put posters of bodybuilders up on his wall, but he had to join the army. And you know, this guy was walking in the snow with sh- holes in his feet for like miles a day, but he joined the army. 
And he was literally doing weight. He carried, he put dumbbells in the tank. And then when he finished his day's work at 10 o'clock at night in with a torch, would do a workout. But he left the army. He literally ran away from the army to do what he wanted, risking getting arrested. Then, you know, he just went, okay, I'm going to America now. Everyone's like, what? Yeah, see you later. Everyone is in America. No one knows this. Or if you read his book, people will. But he made a, it was like a millionaire or something doing like property and trading and built and building works with Franco before he got into films. Then he done the elocution lessons because everyone said to him, you can't be a bodybuilder. You can't be the best. He's a little, little kid from Austria. He did it. But he was like, I'm going to be an actor. Oh, no one does that. You can't do that. You, look at the way you speak. You speak funny. So he went to elocution lessons and got better. Bodybuilding, he'd done ballet lessons to learn how to move. That's how he became such a good poser because he'd done ballet lessons. Like he put himself out there. And then when he said, I'm going to, and then he became, so the acting part, I'm bouncing over the shop here. Then he'd done the acting and he became the highest paid actor stroke actress basically you know in person in hollywood when everyone told him he spoke funny and he's got no chance and then when he said i'm gonna i want to be governor everyone laughed at him literally when he says don't believe the naysayers he's a guy who every time he has said i am going to do something and we're not talking oh i'm just going to do something little we're talking i'm going to become the best bodybuilder in the world I'm going to go to Hollywood and become an actor and I'm going to become governor of California. They're not small things of three completely different things. And every time that he has said, I'm going to fucking do this, he's fucking done it. No matter how many people laughed at him. And if you can't admire that, then I, then you're lost cause. Cause that is fucking an amazing story, an amazing story and an amazing person to have that mindset of I can do anything. When everyone told him along the way, even his parents, you can't do it. So, you know, it, it's just crazy. And then obviously The Rock, you know, it was broke. Uh, yeah, like his old story, isn't it? That's why, it's called his, that's why his business is called Seven Bucks or whatever it's called. Is it Seven, is it seven Bucks? I think so. I think so, yeah. Could be Something right. like that. But it's basically the name of his company is around the fact that one day he was sitting on a park bench, what, 20 years ago? It actually wasn't that long ago. It was like 17 years ago. He was sitting on a park bench with seven bucks to his name. Mm. Broke. And he went, I'm going to change this and never be like this ever again. And and, and dealing with a lot of hate. Like when he first started in, in I think it was Survivor Series 98, like he was this white meat baby face, typical Vincent Mann project of like, just smile all the time, be happy to be there. And he got chance of die, Rocky, die. Like imagine thousands of people telling you to die live on air night after night and yet you yeah. not only don't let it get you but you actually use it to fuel you to carry on and push through and become probably the most loved wrestler in history maybe other than stone cold steve austin you know and like it's like that's incredible thing to do mm. like to you know, have that confidence to be yourself in on, on cameras or something you know to a degree oh exactly and as their day if you look at any of these really successful people what like I, I love the Kevin Hart story. Like you, you get his book, that's a great one as well. But if you read any of these books, you read any of these rags to riches books, Tony Robbins, you, like all these guys who have been flat broke at some point, and then they they've become the biggest names in the world. What is the one thing they all have in common? Like, at some point, you know, it's kind of like a, yeah. Like what do you think? What's in common? 
at so, at some there's point, one thing. There's one thing. Some point they face adversity and they just power through it, right? Well, yeah, but the, the main thing is they've all just accepted who they are. Yes. They've gone, like Kevin Hart, all the short jokes in the world. Like, literally, every short joke is, a, is on him. But Because if one, yeah, he had to accept one day. I'm fucking short. Take it. People, there's some people out there you call short. They want to fight you. How dare you call me short? Because they're still angry about it. Yeah. You're fucking short. Deal with it. You've yeah. got blonde hair. You've got ginger hair. You've got, deal, you have it. Fine. If someone, because the thing is, the one thing what happens is when people take the mick out of you and you get mad, you're giving your power away. Power is accepting who you are. And if someone takes the mick and, and accepting who you are, accepting your flaws and your strengths. And if you, it's like I would say, you can't laugh at yourself. Who the fuck can you laugh at? And as soon as you get angry or mad about something someone said about you, you lose all power and you give someone else power. And when you look at any of these successful people, or I don't even want to say successful because they're way past successful, the uber successful people, the one thing they have done at some point in their life has gone, this is who I am. Mm. I am this person. And I'm going to basically, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to use who I am to the max because in a day, our individuality is our strength. People think our uniqueness, our little weird weirdnesses, is that a word? Weirdnesses? Uh, no, our, straight, our strange things about us, are all these weird things that we do. When you're growing up, people think are wacky and they're like, oh, why can't you be like everyone else? Or you're so weird. They're the things which make us unique. And they're the things that later on in life are the what is going to, you know, you should embrace, become who you are. And you're just like, you know, all these superstars, Lady Gaga and all, everyone, virtually most of these people have been bullied with at some point in their life for being who they are. And then they kept being who they are. And now growing up, they're fucking kidding it. Yeah. I, th- I think it, go- it goes both ways with this sort of stuff. I've, I've talked about this before. Um, on podcast mine and other people's that have gone on where it's like any time in my life where I've been risk averse or uh, I've, I've decided not to bet on myself or not to be who I am. You, you, everyone talks about the risks of making decisions or speaking up or doing something when people actually don't think about the risk and the, 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 the detriment of not doing that. Like every time you're not, oh, I don't want to say living your truth. So corny, but like not being who you are, not being authentic you're just reinforcing that you shouldn't be. And you just go further and further down a hole, I think, if you do that. Like, going on to a little bit about yourself and your story, because I think this is a good segue onto sort of, like, your journey from mentally before we go on to the physical side of things, is that, like, you know, you've you've been, you know, open that you've gone through some, you know, really, really tough times, and you've also been very open with me about times where you felt that you couldn't be yourself or, you, you know, were told not to be yourself, but it's very clear since starting Fitness Rebels that your personality has come out more and more and more and more and more. Like, you know, the bright blonde Bieber haircut, the bright pink cap, the, the clothing, the fashion, the brand, you know, the way you train is very different to how you used to train. Like, you, there's more and more confidence coming out in you. Like, where was the sort of that moment where it sort of flipped, where you were like, I'm going to start betting on myself? And how have you built that confidence? I would say I did that out of necessity in lockdown. 
it, everyone needs a switch. Everyone needs some. Everyone needs something at some point in their life to go, oh fuck. You can't like, and I will always say this: that you you have to kind of hit rock bottom to actually find out who you really are. And there was a time I hit rock bottom, so. That made me question a lot of shit. And that was when I went through a lot of stuff. And it was kind of like coming out of that rock bottom that it just made me think. And when the COVID stuff hit and lockdown, I was like, fuck, I've actually got to do something now. <laughs> um, or else it's going to go downhill even more. Like, you've got to be proactive. I was like, fuck. And so I just literally that day just put it out there. And we'll probably talk about it later on or in a minute, but I, I can tell you right now, my mentality changed when I changed my environment. Like you were saying my personality, my confidence, my dress sense, my fashion, that has literally all changed in the last three months, like on a dramatic sense. Mm. Why? Because we... We, after a long time working hard for me and my wife, things are now starting to hit good. And moving out of our old apartment now into a huge house with all nice stuff, it's like now it's been the hard work's been worth it. Fuck, being me is working. Doing what we're doing is working. And it just created, and that, and with this new environment, it's like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to, keep building myself keep being myself and it's kind of like just the old me starting to come out more and more and more and it's not because we've moved into this house well it's because we've moved into the house but not the house itself it's what it represents it's that 20 years of actually believing in ourselves of going through hell fuck it's worth it when we're, we're there it's still not we're only at the beginning still but it was like we've done it by being ourselves. We've not changed who we are. Mm. And it's just made me think. I just want to keep I'm still not there yet. I'm still, we're always progressing. We're always moving. I, I've never speak like this. I, this is going to be quite an interesting one because even on my podcast, I don't talk about it in that. Mm. But there I've still got a picture of who I want to be. And I'm nowhere near that. I'm at the beginning of my journey again because I'm rebuilding. I I built myself something which I loved and then I broke and I'm rebuilding again. Um, and I have the vision. I know where I want to, who I want to be, how I want to be. And every single day I'm building that person and I'm fucking, yeah, I'm, I, and it's a good place. Do you think like, I often talk about like this, the, the buzzword a lot of times when people talk about mindset stuff, especially in, in the coaching game, is, is imposter syndrome. And I'm, I tend to go the opposite way with imposter syndrome, saying I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. If it paralyzes you, there's a detriment to it. But I think it's, it's my imposter syndrome that sort of pushed me to better myself in terms of education. It's pushed me more on my training because it pushed me to be like that person that you have on your wall pushes you. Do you think because we are both like wired that way and like always striving, always pushing, always seeing where we could be better. Do you think you'll ever truly get to a point where I'm at that wall? I've made it. Or do you think once you get to that first image, 
you'll be still be thinking of the next step. Oh, I'm always going to be thinking about that, but it's, it's that cliche. It's always a journey. You're never going to be the finished product. And it's what you just said there is the imposter syndrome is not necessarily a bad thing unless it does paralyze you. And, but that's true imposter syndrome. I don't think imposter syndrome is necessarily where I... I am as such, as in the why I am and everything else. There's a little bit of it, but it's a good point. I just don't think it's hard to get out of that imposter syndrome. Like the people I speak to and the people I know, a lot of them have it. It's because you just expect more. You want more. And you got if you have high standards and you want a lot, it's it's always going to be the case. You're always going to feel like that. And, but I know I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not kind of feeling what to say, but one thing I will say on that is maybe not an imposter syndrome because that is a whole psychological side of things, but always wanting more, always progressing. Me and my wife are fucking awful at that. Like we've just moved into this house and I'm already wanting to go to a bigger house. It's, and it's just like, I've always got my set, I've always got my mind now on the next one in three years time. So I'm always like, oh, yeah, that new car now. You know, I've always got this, like, where do I my business? Oh, my business is good. Where can I take it next? Now, that's nothing wrong with that. Now, what I would say is what is wrong with it is not living in the now mm. and appreciating what we have in the now. Like, that is one thing which I am working my fucking ass off to do. Because in the past, I've been very bad at literally, as you just said, hitting a goal. And it's like not even set up. Me and my wife got into a point where we just didn't celebrate anything, no matter how fucking good. You know, we just went, okay, what's next? We've hit that goal. What's next? And if you don't, you never take the time to celebrate the wins. You're never going to be happy. Hmm. And it's not about, it's not, I, I honestly don't think it's about being happy with where you are. No, that's not what that's not what I'm looking for. It's not about accepting where you are and being comfortable. And people say, "Oh, you should be happy where you are." You know, stop wanting more. No, you should always want more. You always be driving to be better. Join the process. Yeah, because it's the process. Because if I if if when when me and my wife get a lot more, it's because of the people we're becoming, what we are learning about people, about business, about finances, about whatever it is we're learning and developing as a couple and as a people. So therefore we're getting more because of the people we're becoming. Yeah. Um, but one thing we are doing massively is celebrating like last year when I, I passed my exams at uni. I, that to me was like, well, it's expected. <laughs> what now? You know I mean, I've got no choice. I'm at uni. I've got to pass them. And you know, to me, that was just normal. Like, cause it's like even that, I don't even give myself a pat on the back that I'm running a successful business while being in my fourth year of uni doing an osteopathy degree. Mm. I, don't even, I don't even see that as, uh, as people think it's impressive or people say, message me saying, oh, yeah, it's inspirational or you, you motivate me. I'm like, I don't know, it's just, it's just me doing me. I just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. And it's crazy because that's just our mindsets. And the point is, after I've done my, after we've done passed my exams, 
we literally made it was like sales like right fucking celebrating we're going out so we've just done a few things uh, we don't i don't mean anything big but we went and played our favorite things crazy golf <laughs> we, we love crazy everywhere we, we just love crazy golf yeah um crazy golf and then cinema that was our celebration doesn't have to be big but it's just taking a day even if it's just a day when it's about you it's about well done you cheers to whatever you're celebrating you yeah. celebrate that person you celebrate the achievements you celebrate that to me is how you stay is the key to being happy while we'll keep wanting more mm. you have to celebrate those wins you have to be in the moment you have to appreciate where you are at that time so there's nothing wrong like now i still want more but i'm very appreciative and very happy and very content with what i've got now mm. i look around and smile every day and I just think okay yeah, I suppose the pros and cons of network as well. We spoke a little bit about off air, of like that 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 sort of feeling of um, it's who you surround yourself with. It, it sort of gets in your psyche, and like it, it's it's suppose that pros and cons of sometimes that net people say your network's your net worth, and I truly believe that you surround yourself with the right people that bring everybody up. But like I know for me, and I'm I'm probably you know I, I think in a lot of ways we've shared similar journeys, and I'm just like you know a few years behind it, and like. I'm slowly starting to build my confidence back after having taken away from me. And like, then I, I'm in that point now where I'm starting to enjoy the stuff I'm doing. I'm starting to sort of like appreciate the now, but I still get that because I'm surrounding myself with people that are already successful, already killing it, already doing well in their business. And I'm just looking at them and I'm just like, I'm comparing rather than going, Hey, look where I was six months ago compared to now. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. You know, and like it's it, not where I want to be, but it's like, do you know what? I, I was not here six months ago. And that's that's the thing. It's one of those things when you tell others, it's like, do what I say, not what I do. But you have to realize everyone's on a different journey and everyone's got different times in that journey. Like, say, you know, we didn't, we, we haven't come from money. Me and my wife, we're working for everything we have. Say you look, I look at someone else, 25 years old on Instagram. They've got, they've got a gym. They, they're driving a Porsche and they're, sm- they're saying, oh, how, you know, they're, they're sitting there going, oh, yeah, my coaching business, blah, blah, blah. It's like, and everyone gets jealous. Who's to say they haven't got a, they don't come from a millionaire family where mommy and daddy just bought them a gym. They bought them the Porsche and they built them that. They basically just had it easy. Like, I'm not taking it. Always on credit. Them. Yeah, always on credit. Or, and another thing as well, any, there's a lot of people who say, oh, my gym. Well, it's normally a personal trainer when they've all of a sudden got my gym. It means a client has paid for your gym and you're just the managing their gym. But anyway, but it's just whatever it is, I'm not taking away from anyone else. But the point is, I might get what that 25-year-old has, but it's going to take me to I'm 45. When he's 25 and has it, but that's because he came from a higher starting point. He came, he literally was starting at 20, he was starting at 20, like 24 years old when it comes to the financial safety or the financial um, um, help and the knowledge of his people around him, education, going to the schools and connections and all this kind of stuff. 
I'm just starting 20 years later. And, I, and the thing is, you can either sit there and be a little bitch about it. And I'm not going to go to anyone who does that because I've done that plenty. <laughs> it's hard not to. It's the world we live in. It's our mentality. It's our mindset. It's human nature. And social media is a highlight reel now where you only see the good parts of people's yeah. lives, right? So you see the be- you see the Lamborghini, you see the home gym. You don't, but, you don't see the moments of them doubting themselves. But you have to, but it's not so about doubting, but you just have to sit there and go, he's on a different journey. Mm-hmm. I'm on this journey. Yes, he might have everything I want at 25. What the fuck have I been doing? But as I said, he started a lot higher up the ladder. And you, as I said, you can either bitch and moan about it, or you can sit there and go, good on him. He's taken opportunities of what he has. He's, and he's using that, working hard. I can't be mad. Well done. I'm on my journey. I'm going to focus on what I'm doing. And that is the problem. Like I said, all the stuff we've been talking about is just, you know, being yourself and focusing on yourself. And that's the problem, though. The whole world is designed to make you feel shit about yourself. Marketing is made to feel shit about yourself because marketing and advertising is, hey, ugly fuck. You wear this hat, you, you, you buy this clothes or you wear this makeup. It's going to make you beautiful and have and you can have love. Oh, hey, look at this, you lonely people out there. If you buy this perfume, you'll have love. And the thing is, it sounds funny and everyone can laugh, but if you look at every billboard in history, all the adverts in history, they're saying basically, subconsciously, they're saying, hey, you suck. If you buy my product, you're better. Mm-hmm. That's advertising. That's marketing. So, and now, and then social media is pretty much the same. So subconsciously, every fucking day, you're being told you're shit. You're not good enough. And you have to have certain things to be successful. So I started that. But basically, so the only thing you can do is which, you know, I just, every single day I try and focus on. And I think most successful people say the same shit. What's the old cliche saying? Focus on your own shit. Don't worry about anyone else. Focus on your own thing. Because like I said, like you said, you don't know their story. You don't know if the story they're telling is even real. You don't know. Like I know, do you know you can actually hire um, for about 500 pounds, I think, for an hour? You can actually go to a hangar, walk onto a private jet, get a lot of photos taken, get a photo. They've got, they've got makeup artists by just, just by the plane so where you can get your hair and makeup done. Then they'll take photos, photos like this is what people, you know, this is, yeah. this is what people do. They literally, and then they, they pay like 500 pounds, whatever. They walk up the steps, get a few photos, go into the plane, get a few photos, and then that's it. And they post up, but they just paid 500 pounds to get those photos. That is actually a thing. Hmm. So in real life, I don't, I don't mind if, if you are flying on that plane jet and then that, but you're not, you're at, it's a complete lie. So this whole world is just literally made up of a lie. And that's why the old saying of focus on your own shit is so true. But saying that, do I do that all the time? Hell no. Do do any of us do that all the time? Hell no. It's hard because our psyche is not made to do that. We are made to compare. We are made, our brains do that. We compare, we judge, we judge. It's what our human brain does. Yeah. So it's like one of those things. Every day you have to be aware of that. And every day you just got to wake up 
and go, right, let's just, like, I started deleting loads of people from my Instagram, anyone who made me question anything, anyone who had done anything, I was just like, right, nah, get out, get out. You have to just basically focus on your own stuff, which is hard. I'm not sitting here trying to be preacher. I'm just telling you kind of what should be happening, not what I do all the time. Because yeah. I think too many people say that, you know, it's not, it's not a case of look at me, I'm perfect. It's a case of these are the things what we need to do. It's hard. So you just have to be aware of it on a daily basis. One of the things that helps me, with, one of the things that has helped me with this, with the comparison thing, because it's something I definitely like battle with and, and have to stop myself doing, you know, it's, it's, and I don't succeed at this every day, but I'm, I'm making a real conscious effort at the moment to try and hold off looking at messages, social media, until I've done something productive for me. And on the days I have very early clients, that could be as simple as sitting down for five minutes and having a coffee. On days where I have later clients, it's, getting some content done, it's doing some studying, but it's something where I do something for me before I go on Instagram. Because like 40 years ago, you're only comparing yourself to Dave across the street. Dave's got a boat, you want a boat. Whereas now you log on and see everybody with a boat. This is it's in there. And I you know, I think like today I, I failed at this miserably because I got an Instagram notification. And I was like, and I it, you know, I, it wasn't a conversation I wanted to have. And I was like, that sets you up in a bad day and now you start looking at it now you're scrolling so you know i think trying to like be a bit more targeted with how much time i ha- actually use on social media rather than scrolling has helped a lot in the last couple of months to avoid this oh yeah it's like i, I will 100 i'm open about this oh well, i'm open about anything really <laughs> you know me and the fact of the matter is I am 100% confident in who I am, what I am, walking around, like, in real life. I will say, and I will, I'll be who I am. If you put me in a room of 30, when I do my seminars, you hear the kind of shit that comes out of my mouth. You hear the way I talk, the way I dress, who I am, everything. I don't care. It's who I am. Accept me. I love it. I'm confident. As soon as soon as I step on social media, who I am goes out the window and I question things, mm. which just shows you how it's a different, because to me, it's not, it's a different world. It's your billboard. I, it's a different world that I don't understand. Mm, sure. And because I'm, I'm 40, I'm 41 years old. I've got, I've done, a, I've done a lot of changing. I've done a lot of growing in so many different things and learned so many different things. But then the next thing I have to, get comfy with and learn is that social media world because it's just weird to me i'm old school what can i say so that that's it's, it is for me it's really strange and i'm always open for any advice on that kind of stuff but in a real world i don't know because to me honestly, you everyone will say to you and i think it is the most important place to be confident is the real world because how many people are the opposite how yeah. many people are confident sitting on social media, talking to a fucking camera, taking pictures. But then if you put them in a room of 20 people, they get anxiety, they get nervous, and they shit themselves. Yeah. I know quite a few people like that. So I must admit, if I had a choice of being confident in either the real world or social media, I'd always pick the real world. Yeah. But I have to learn how – I have to learn personally how to – how to put my my real world self 
in this world, in that social world. That's what I have not worked out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's said off air, right? It's, 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 it's an art and it's just a case of like being able to get over it, start doing it, building momentum in, in the same way that the, the new location built momentum for your career and the new environment. I mean, you speak a lot on, you know, Fitness Rubbers Radio, which is, by the way, probably my favourite podcast, um, especially now London Real went a bit mad. Um, but you oh, speak really? Of, oh, God, the guy's gone. The guy's gone off his rocker, mate. Like, it was it was so good. But then it was like he he tried to do the digital freedom platform and he got David Icon, and then people found out that it was a, like a, a, a Vimeo site that he was basically just saying was his own platform and just pocketing all the donations and then to hide from that he tried to be mayor of london and then when he failed at mayor of london now he's doing like bitcoin investing courses all of a sudden and everyone on the show is bitcoin i'm like Uh, okay um but like a lot of people it's like a common trend especially in like the first sort of season of your podcast where the common trend of values came up you speak a lot about like knowing your values and sure you're living to your values. Like, and obviously this is more in relation to what other people have said to you. So like in terms of yourself, what are, what are your values and how have they changed as your career and as your business has changed? The two values I've always kept and the two values I'll never, ever, ever, ever change is honesty and integrity. Those two things to me have been with me my whole fucking life no matter what my parents did right or wrong the one thing they did right I don't know how or what I can't remember any times but I grew up and I just had a massive honesty and integrity thing about me like if you said to me you would have to screw that one person over but you'd make a million pounds I I just couldn't I wouldn't live in myself I just couldn't do it it's just not in my nature like if you said still that one penny sweet. I, I just could it just it was still fucking awful to me. Yeah. I just couldn't. And it was just I'm just a big believer in the whole honesty and integrity. Like even in my past job at the last gym I was at, like Nick the boss, like he said he, he always admired my honesty. If I screwed up, I was straight away go to him and say, look, I screwed up, we've got to do this. I'm fixing it by doing this. Um just letting you know. Or I took it on the chin because it, it's the, my integrity is that I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it on the chin, punish me in whatever way, but I'm going to sort it out doing this. But I've been open and honest with you. Yeah. And that to me is the way I've run my whole life is I don't lie. I, I, I just literally physically can't. It really does hurt me. I won't hold anything back in the sense of, um, not as in when I say that, I mean as in, I'm open. Like if I, as I said to you, if I fucked up, I'll admit it. If I've got to apologize, I will apologize. I will never. Um, I don't like, it's that old cliche of don't treat people. I uh, treat people how you want to be treated. It's that old. I just want to treat people nice. I, I, that's my thing. I, I don't, I, there's enough hate in the fucking world. And I know I sound cliche and it sounds cheesy, but I've just always been that person. I just honesty and integrity and hard work have always been. And, I, and that is literally what my fitness level's brand is basically integrity and hard, hard work and passion. Like they're probably, they, if you talk about my values, that's probably them. Honesty, integrity, passion, hard work. Because when I was growing up, 
I was never that I had a nat, a slight natural ability for sport, obviously to do what I did, but I had it wasn't natural enough to ride it. I had to add a lot of hard work on it. So when I was at training, and that's kind of like where my my thing about not being big enough always came from. Why I want I had to be bigger. Like even now I have troubles with my size because I got told from the age of 13 years old to get what I wanted, I had to be bigger. So I wanted to play for Kent. It was like, no, sorry, Kent to play for Southeast England at 16. It was like, you've got to be bigger. You're too small. So I got a bit bigger. I played for Southeast England. Then it was like, if you want to play for um, England, you have to be bigger. Okay, so I got bigger, played for England. If you want to play professional, you get a contract, you've got to be bigger. Oh, for fuck's sake, get bigger, got a contract. Playing for the second team, you won't ever make it unless you get bigger. So I got told from the age of basically around 13, 14 years old that what I wanted to achieve, I had to be bigger at. So I had to keep working at getting fucking bigger. And the funny thing was, though, every time I got bigger, I, achieved, I, I got my goal. So for, for 10 years of my life, at a very um, when your brain's a sponge, for 10, 15 years of my life, my brain said, oh, when you get bigger, you get everything you want. And so that's where that shit came from. But that's another story. But the whole point is, it's the hard work I always had to keep putting in. When I was at training, when everyone, I, I was in a, a top sprint in rugby, I wasn't, my, my defense was shit. So I would stay out afterwards. When everyone's going in, I'll get the biggest person on the pitch, the second row or the number eight. Just I say to them, run at me. And they'll be like, are you sure? Like, yeah, just run hard at me. I've got a low. So I used to have them just pound the shit out of me after rugby training for about an extra 10 minutes. Mm. Just, just running at me nonstop. And I'll be like, I'll be in pain because they literally are right. They're like, I was at 80 kilos and I'm getting someone who's 120 just to run straight at me. And I'm like, well, I've got to learn. Or if they weren't willing to stay out, I would then do extra shuttle runs because mm. I wanted to be the fittest because I wasn't the biggest, but I knew that I could be the fucking fittest because that takes work. I could be the fastest. So to me, that was where that came from. And in athletics, I trained in, a, in an elite squad. Like three of them ended up going to the Olympics. Virtually every single one was a European champion. And I was like a little white boy at the back, just trying to keep up with everyone. But when they went in, I stayed out and done a couple of extra runs. Yeah. Or when I, I, I would throw up, try go back to do another, another run, throw up, run, throw up, run, throw up, run. I wouldn't quit because I knew that I had to, for me to keep up with these people, I had to work 10 times harder. So I got a work ethic, ridiculous work ethic from a young age because I loved what I did and I knew to get what I wanted, I had to work my ass off. So my values in, in the hard work and passion stemmed from a young age. And then, and then as we said, we, we went into, um, when I went to bodybuilding, I would never be the biggest. So the work I had to put in to be big was fucking intense. But then I could get shredded. Because that's the one 
genetics genetics will always come into how big you can get but hard work that's what i've always said genetics will always play a part in how big you can get but the hardest worker whoever can take the most pain the one who's got the best mindset will get the leanest mm-hmm. and so when i was bodybuilding i thought you know what i can't be the biggest i'm not going to be the prettiest because my my uh, ratios aren't the best fuck it i'm going to be the leanest yeah i'm going to show that i can work harder because i can't give genetics i can't give up my shape i can't be the biggest so what can i prove i can prove that i'm the hardest fucker in the room oh sorry hardest worker in the room so one thing i've always had mentally is the work ethic of well, i want something i'm going to get it and I'm going to, sh- and as I've never been genetically gifted in any way, <laughs> um, brains, brawn, whatever, yeah, yeah. I've always had to work hard for it. So the hard work is a massive value. The integrity is just say what you're going to do and just don't fuck people over and just be nice. And I just can't, it, and when I see, when, and that's why when people kind of, screw me over or people aren't good to me it's why i take it so personally because i would never do that to someone else so i get really upset or frustrated when other people are like that and the one thing the one thing i realized actually which chilled me out a lot as i got older is that you can't put your own standards on everyone else uh because if you put your standards on everyone else you're going to be heartbroken yeah. It's it. It's first and foremost. You, it's, you're going to be heartbroken because if your standards are high, I can pretty much guarantee you that 99 percent of the populations are. So don't don't go around thinking they are because yeah. they're not. So the passion and hard work. I like with passion. I don't care what your passion is as long as you give a shit about something. It could be stamp collecting. If you were passionate about stamp collecting, I would listen to you for an hour or two. If I could see the passion in your eyes, like if you were speaking about some rare, look at this print, it's kind of like 3D and it pops out at you and look at this, it was made in 1979 and you lit up, you were jumping out of your seat. I'll be enthralled. I just want to see passion. Passion for something. Mm. Give me something out of your fucking life. Because if you haven't got passion for anything, there's no point. What's the point? Um, yeah, I said, just the honesty, hard work. I said, honesty, I think, goes a long way. I'm honest with everyone. With me, you know where you stand. Mm-hmm. You know if I like you. I like If I don't like you, I'll still treat you with respect. But you'll know that I don't like you. But if you, I like you, I like you. It does. You you know where you stand, and I just want that from everyone else around me. I want to know where I stand. It just makes life easier. But again, ninety nine percent of the population won't do that. Yeah, they have no integrity and there's no honesty. I think I think there's so much of that that resonates with me, and, and I think you know you share. That's probably why we get on so well, but we share a lot of the same values. And I, I know, like for me, the integrity is a huge one, and you know, for me and, and more so over the, over the last few years of like similar to yourself, when, when you're let down, you realize how important it is to find someone with integrity, to find someone that carries themselves the way 
not necessarily you feel they should because that's holding someone else's standards, but just in treating people in the way that you, you know, like to see yourself treated and everyone else around you. I think there's, there's, um, I, I, I'm, I'm like you in the sense that when, when I've had those ideals questioned, I've been, it's, I've taken that incredibly hard and I've, I've starting to learn exactly in both directions when people let you down or when people don't rise up to your level, it's either way. I found probably the times I felt the most stressed, the most disappointed in life was where I was trying to say, I want that done, but that person's not meeting me halfway or that person has disappointed me. And going back to what you said earlier on, if I focus on your own shit, like, it, it, you, you, I'm not thinking about that, and you know, like as I say, taking things into your own hands. The hard work thing will also resonate with me because that's a very, very similar story to me. Wasn't the greatest tackler in rugby, so, you know. Always told I need to be bigger to play. Stay behind to do that. Stay behind to be quicker. Um, you know, and and like similar thing when I first started UP, it was like I'm not going to be the biggest guy here, but I'm going to start studying really hard so I can eventually be, you know, on a par intellectually. I'm going to be the leanest on the photo shoot day. And, you know, like, still never got that big. But what at least happens? I got very lean. You know, I got one out of two. <laughs> no, it's, it is. Um, and I said, and the other thing with all those values, the other thing which I try and I will try and keep doing is just to be yourself. Mm. I've got it tattooed across my chest to thine own self be true okay um that actually that actually is a sarah's tattoo because sarah always wanted that tattoo on her but she just won't get a tattoo okay for one too much pain and two it just wouldn't look good on her yeah you know certain people it it, she admitted she's like it wouldn't look good on me i'm not that kind of person yeah. But she always wanted it. So I was like, when I was getting tattooed, I was like, fuck it, I'll put it on me. So like, I've got a couple of tattoos. Like, people don't know the meanings of all of them. All of them. But like, the to thine own self may be true. It, for one, it's what I do believe. Always be true to yourself. But also, it's also me carrying Sarah on my chest. Yeah, so it's nice. kind of like a little ode. It's a little ode to her. But also, in, while it's something which I believe in as well. Mm. Uh, that was the reason that that but the way to thine own self because she loves Shakespeare and that uh, I would eat uh, literature and everything so that's why that's on my chest mm. but yeah it's um you've got on, to be true to yourself on the note of getting a tattoo for your wife thankfully not of her name but for you know the you know of for your wife this is something I wasn't necessarily going to go into the podcast but you brought this up and it just made me think ever since I've known you one of your defining characteristics in a way is how respectful how much you idolize and how committed you are to your wife to sarah like there are I, i've known people be like jealous of the how close your relationship seems to be like i i, I don't know if you ever asked this but like what what do you think has allowed you to have such a successful relationship where you know it's there's never well at least on the surface, it's never seemed to be a doubt in your mind. No. Um, respect. Mm. 100%, 100% love and respect. We, like, one thing I see missing in a lot of relationships 
is respect. It's, it's one partner wants power or one partner bosses the other one around or, you know, one other doesn't respect, does not respect the other one. They might say they do, but the actions speak differently. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, thanks for saying that. It's something which, you know, it's really nice to hear. Um, and we do get that said a lot to us, how people are like, oh, you know, jealous, you know, they can get jealous and everything. But we just see each other as equal. And, we're, and what Sarah said, the funny thing is, we're a team. 100% we are a team. So, like, there's a lot of things that I think I can give advice about. And there's a lot of things I'm quite happy to say I, I'm not, I can't give advice about. But this is something I do think I'm, I can give advice about. And the one thing I would say to anyone out there is it's now been, what, 13, 14 years. And when people see us together, they always think we're in a honeymoon period. They always think we only met, like, fucking three months ago. But it's actually, when we say it's been 13 years, they're like, what? But how? And it's because me and her grow, are growing all the time. And but what we make sure we grow together. Because what happens is in relationships is through time, you grow apart. So because you're both growing, but you're growing in different directions because you're not checking in on each other. You're not every now and then going, right, okay, wait a minute. Where are we at? Where are we at? What can I do for you? What can you do? What can I do for you? you know, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? So every, say, six months, we sit down with our laptop or a notepad, you know, notepad and everything. And we'll be like, right, where are we at? We wanted the house. We wanted this. We wanted that. We want to build. We wanted this much money in the bank. We want, I, you know, all this kind of stuff together as a, as a team. Yeah. In your career, you wanted this. Okay. In your career, you wanted this. Where are we? So we had like individual goals, but then we had our team goals. Mm. And so we sit down and make sure that we're still striving for the same goal. So when I say that, it could be anything. It'd be like, do you still want to, like when we lived in like London or St. Albans, whatever, do we still want to, okay. So I just want to make sure, are you still thinking that we move out into the suburbs? Oh, I'm not too sure about it anymore. Well, I still want to. Okay, well, that's something we've got to discuss. Are we still thinking of having children? What, what are you thinking on this? Mm-hmm. Do we still want a puppy? Like we check in with each other every six months so we don't have this like hurdle one day of going, wait a minute, I thought you wanted this. This is what we've been working towards. So we check in every three to six months. Of, oh, to be honest with you, I say that, but we probably say it quite a lot more than that when we go for walks down the beach and that. But we're always checking in to make sure we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. And if we're not on the same wavelength, we talk about it, the pros and the cons, and we see where we both are. So we come to a compromise and then we work towards that. And then we keep checking in to make sure we're going. And we have a, we have a rule of if one doesn't care, but one really cares, we will always do who really cares. And what I, what I mean by that is in, a, in relationships, you're always going to have people who don't really care, but they're not willing to do like not willing to compromise. If want, yeah, it's, or not even compromise, but just do whatever person wants to do just to make them happy, just for one night. So, do you want to go to the ballet? Not really, but if you really want to go, I will go. Yeah. If you don't really care, I'm not spending the money. Do you know what I mean? It's like if one really cares, if one really wants to paint the wall pink, 
like really, really, it'll make their fucking life so much better if that award is pinned. And I personally don't care. I'm not going to stop her from doing it because I don't care that much. I will. You'll get people. You want a really good point, but I will stop you here because we all know that you want the pink wall, not her. Well, yeah. yeah, (laughs) I don't know why that, I don't actually know why that example came up, but the point was, is like, If I don't personally care, like I know people who will just say no just for the sake of it. It's like, yeah. you don't really fucking care if your car, if you buy a white car or a black car, you don't really care that much, but your wife really wants a yellow one. So just get a fucking yellow one. It doesn't matter to you. You don't care. But people see this power trip and it's ego and it's fucking, and it's just like, just whatever, just do it for that. But anyway, so we kind of just go through this check-in. And then we go to our individual goals. And it's like, right, what are you striving towards? And what are you striving towards? And then with that, we'll see what each other can do for the other one. So if one has a step back slightly, while the other one goes forward, one will step back slightly as the other one goes forward. And then we'll get to a point going, do you know what? It's time to push you forward now. Or what can I do for you? Um, so we kind of always are sitting down, finding out where we are and what each of us can do for the other one. So I might say to her, look, I am crazy busy for the next three weeks. My exams are coming up or the next few months, you know, the next couple of months. She'll be like, right, I'll make you dinner. I'll do this for you. I'll look after the dog. I'll go there. I'll do this for the next few months. But then I'll know that she's got conferences and all this kind of stuff. So she'll text me saying, can you bring food up? I'm busy. I'm like, cool. So we're always kind of just going, right, the next few weeks are going to be mental. I need you to be able to do this for me. And I'm like, okay, sweet. And then she'll be like, so we're a team. We just work together and we make sure that we're, we're give, giving each other what's needed at the times. But the only way we do that is communicating. It's just sitting down every now and then saying, so where are you in your career? Where, where are we going? And just making sure that as we're going forward and as we're growing, we're growing together. And if that makes sense. So yeah. that's what we do all the time. And we just have absolute massive respect for each other. Like not, not, there's never a time, not one's not better than the other. We are a team. There's no power tripping. There's no egos playing. It's just, and, and we met and we met and we got the same values. So it's mm-hmm. easy, but I don't know what else to say to that, but the only, the it's only thing, as I said, it's just pure, unadulterated love and respect yeah and it's the fact as i said we keep making sure we're on the same path and we discuss that path and if i said to you if one really wants something really wants it then that's what we do yeah yeah i think that's i think that's a really good answer and i think it's you know it's 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 something that like you know i i I, I, I hold that very dear to my heart when it comes to relationships. And like, I've, I've always said like, you know, I, every, I need to, I would never, if I ever catch myself like in the pursuit of me pushing my business or anything else, not giving the level of respect that I feel Ellie deserves, I need to pull that step back. And I always think like there's two very, very clear paths here and like they should join and push together. But like, I should not interfere with this and she should not interfere with this. And it's like, we can build together. And I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of amazing takeaways in that, that like, I love the six month thing. 
I love that. I, you yeah. know, I like. Star and it's Wars. also, also, it's a, to be honest with you, it's the number one reason why we are smashing everything we do, and we're still spot on mm. because we we make sure we're going in the same path. We never have an argument because as we're talking about it all the time, there's never a fucking argument to have. It doesn't get to that and, sort of escalate, right? Exactly. Because we're proactive in our relationship and not reactive. I, I'm not even kidding you. We've not argued for about 10 years. I can't actually remember the last time we argued at all. Really. Yeah. It, and that's why, as you said, people are jealous because we actually had someone the other day say to Sarah, one of her friends, colleagues, actually said, yeah, but your relationship's not normal. We're like, what's not it normal? Sh- we, shouldn't it? It should be not normal. Not a problem. Exactly. That's the problem. We sat there and was like, because people say to, like, always, like, we don't, actually, I don't know how much why people think, I don't know what I put on social media, but everyone's just always like, you two have such a good relationship. Um, I'm glad that's how it comes across, because we have. And I'm just like, but it, it kind of makes me sad a little bit, because other people can't find that, or other people don't have that. I'm just like, but that's what, I rela- that's what marriage should be. It's like, we spoke about this all the time and people say, oh, but you know what it's like when you get married. It's like, well, what do you mean? What does that mean? Oh, yeah. things change. Why? Why do things change? They should be exactly the fucking same. It, there's nothing, there's nothing what should change because then I, I don't get it. Like not, me, when me and Sarah got married, nothing changed. Not one thing. Do you think, like nothing. Do you think for like people who are struggling to get into these levels of relationships, and it's very difficult because you've been with oh, 13, 14 years with Sarah, I've been with Ellie almost eight now. Um, but do you think we were talking about earlier on about social media and comparison and you know how it affects us personally? Do you feel there's an element of that when it comes to sort of relationships right now? Because I've seen people that I've I know the people that struggle the most getting into relationships often have this ideology this ideal almost disney princess view of like the perfect person that spanned from seeing the most beautiful people in the world on social media and the most beautiful lives and they've all got it together and not see the rest of it that like they can't be like you said that proactive in this relationship where you're always talking about issues and it's not expecting things to be perfect it's like we'll battle through anything do you feel there's less of that now because a lot of people expect this person to be the complete package straight away or I'm out. And they just spin their wheels with this. They never give anyone a chance. Yeah, I think it's a generational thing. I think there's less communication with the younger generation. Um, And I also think people, we, we live in a throwaway society these days so if something doesn't work straight away it's like friendships like you could have like i've known people in a, in a relationship they have one argument oh so the, oh so we're over well no we, we had one argument yeah. the fuck doesn't mean shit like, when i say me and, me and sarah not argued for 10 years trust me when we first found each other jesus christ she, i remember the one time when i first met her in the first few weeks she stomped her feet at me i was like what the fuck um, I love, how, I love uh, how the worst that you could think of is stomping her feet. Like that—that that shows how. Oh you no, know. she she done it. She done it like a little spoiled brat. And I was like, what <laughs> the fuck was that? Um, but yeah, so yeah, she actually, she, yeah, she can. She wasn't getting her own way, like which she was normally used to. 
And I, was, I stood there and just went, well, no. And if you ever fucking stamp your feet at me again like that, I'm walking out that door. And she never happened ever again. Why? Because straight away I showed her respect and I wasn't going to be walked over like all of her exes. And that's why it didn't work because there was no respect. Yeah. So that's where respect comes from. You respect each other enough not to do shit. I think, but, that, I think that's huge. It's hard to keep you off with, but I think that's huge. That really, that hit a nerve for me because that's something I've been very big on, certainly in the early parts of my relationship. Anytime where, you know, like, I can say this because she's not in, but and she won't listen to all of this. But like when when like Elle would like do things like when she would get jealous in the early part of our relationships or try and look at my phone if I was like, you know, being nosy. I, I just like, if you let that stuff happen now, it escalates. Yeah. And I used to be very yeah. much a, I used to maybe, maybe overdo the response to this, but it was like, don't you dare open my phone again. You should trust me. And, it, and it, over time at the time, she's like, why are you being so protective over your phone? Whereas over time it's now, it's like, no. You should trust me. And now in a point where I see relationships where people get told off for going out too long or they get told off who they're going out with or who that who's those people in the background on the beach. And I'm like, I never get that. Look, I'm How only laughing because I'm laughing because <laughs> on my honeymoon, on the I think the first or second night of our honeymoon, we went out and we were partying with a bunch of 18-year-olds. And then Sarah got was wasted, and I took her back, put her in bed, and went back out. And everyone said to her, "You let Nick go back out with a bunch of teenagers." And she was like, "Well, I didn't let him for a start. He's his own man. Yeah. But what was he going to do? I was, I was basically drunk and asleep. And what do I? So I just want Nick to be there when I don't even notice him." He's just gonna lie there. I was like, and she was like, and I, he's my husband. I trust him. Yeah. I wouldn't have married him if I don't fucking trust him. And it's just like, to us, it's so weird. Cause I'm like, okay, this is my honeymoon. So she's asleep. Why can't I go out? And it was just a reaction. Her friends were horrified. Mm. And she just kept saying, but what else is he gonna do? I didn't want to, it was 2 a.m. I didn't want to stay. I didn't, she was asleep, like on the bed. I was like, I'm going to go back out. But as you said, it's that trust. And that's where the respect comes from and trust. Um, And if you've got that, then yeah. But as you said, you've got to, it is not nipping it in a bug when a whole point, I don't know how we got to that, but you do have to set the standards of the relationship at an early start. But anyway, it's the throwaway and generation. Whenever something's broken, they're like, okay, that's it. They don't want to work at anything. Nothing. It's like, it's like, like as we said about um, the business, it takes a while. You've got to post all the day. People don't watch it. But there's a lot of people out there who, if it doesn't work in two or three months, let's quit and do something else. And that's the thing. They take this mentality into social media. And we live in this instant gratification world. So, yeah, it's a bit of social media issues. And the way the, the generations are growing up, and it has become an instant gratification. And if there's one, and all of a sudden they go, oh, and I have a little argument or a disagreement, that's it. Relationship's over. And it's like, well, no, you're going to disagree at the beginning, even toward, you're even going to disagree 10, 13 years in. But just because you disagree on something doesn't mean your marriage or your friendship's over. But I think that's where a lot of relationships fall down these days is the instant gratification. Um, if something 
you have a disagreement, people throw it away quickly. I, I think people underestimate how the potential of things growing. Like, you know, I, I'd like to think I've, you know, had a you know, pretty strong relationship the whole eight years or so, almost eight years that we, me and Ellie have been together. But it's, I, I feel, and I'm sure you're the same, like, but in the last, certainly traveling together, like actually moving away from the UK together, the last two years, probably the last two, three years, it's just grown and grown and grown and grown. And it's because of like, we respect each other. We've grown together as people. And like, it's like, if, if, if I like, was, I, if I made a judgment on a person based solely off one night, one date or a week of dates, you may never get to that end point because you've got to be able to like, actually find out who this person is and see past the, the Tinder profile or the Instagram feed. But on the flip side of that, I do see, I do believe in that instant connection, the instant, mm. not love at first sight as such, but the instant connection. Spark, right? But I, I, yeah. And, like, I, you know, me and Sarah basically met and moved in together and traveled. It was, just, it was, it was a quite a whirlwind. But I knew literally straight away. Mm. Like, I had my fun. I was 20 seven when i met her i had my fun I'm, you know not gonna sit here and beat around the bush about that but when i met her i was like well, i'm done that's it i'm i'm in mm. the only girl which i ever felt like that so i knew that was awesome the point i was like right okay <laughs> this is the one um but yeah but as you said the thing is a minute ago when you said about traveling and, and all that kind of stuff it, it came down again because you and ellie had to discuss things you weren't back at home in your flat just going through life. It was all of a sudden, I've got an opportunity to go to Hong Kong. She's like, oh, my God, I would love to do that. Oh, really? Okay, didn't know that. What else would you want to do? Okay, so there's this. And all of a sudden, you go to Hong Kong, and you and Ellie are now going, ooh, there is more to life than this. Let's have a discussion about this. And you've started speaking now. Your communication's got better. I, I, I could be wrong, but since going to Hong Kong, it's probably you're probably talking more about things that you want to do and the yeah. options that are open to you more because beforehand you weren't but since this has happened you've now probably been discussing things and going oh we can go here we can do this what do we want where we're we building to where do you want to live where do you want to stay is there anyone else you want to work yeah i it's think opened up discussions yeah i think i think with you know the where where we've both grown is like i've i've like probably been always up for discussions always up for like you know doing stuff and jumping outside the box and doing something that's like uncomfortable ellie was more very much in a comfort zone very much wasn't sure about traveling um she didn't want to be away from her family but she was ellie was probably better than me at like compromising like you know like she compromised for me to move to london she compromised for me to move to hong kong initially and the next choice of wherever we go next would be a lot on her because it's about her time yeah but it, it it's the for us, it was sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that power of that compromise because, like, she's probably settled into Hong Kong better than I have. And, yes, she's, she's, she struggles with homesickness a little bit more than me, but she's got great friends, great network. She's loving it here. And as you said, it's it's now it's like, oh, we can do this, this, and this, and that. And, like, I've now, like, you know, because I've explored some of the things that I want to do and ticked off some of those bucket lists, on the flip side, I've become better at compromising because it's like, it's your turn. You know, I my my next step in my business is probably something where it doesn't matter where I am. And I'm trying to push it that way so Ellie can have a free choice. Yeah, 
exactly. And that's what I was saying earlier. And that's, that's fantastic, buddy. But I also tell you the other thing, which I missed out earlier, why we have such a great relationship is because we fell in love with each other the way we were. Mm. And we have never, ever tried to change that. Yes. She met me as the kite surfing, goes to the gym, looks after myself, healthy. I met her as the pisshead party girl. Now, when it was like, oh, oh, can we go, can we meet at eight o'clock because I've got to go training? Cool. When we were together, it was, oh, oh we're going to go out for dinner with, I don't know, Katie and Steve. I don't know who Kate and Steve is, but we want to go out and do dinner with them. I was like, oh, can we make it eight? Because I've got to go train with the, I've got to go train with the boys. There was never a, oh my God, it's always about training. People just say to her, oh, but don't you get sick about him always looking after his body? And she was like, no, because I met him like that. Hmm. I met him when his body was a top priority. I met him when we had to arrange uh, dates or arrange what we did around his training. I knew what I was getting into. I, I, and I, and I, and the thing, and then she says like, well, I like the, you know, if you want, you, you guys talk about the way he looks, how do you think he, he looks like that? He goes to the fucking gym. So if, it, if I want to look at my husband and think what a sexy fuck, then I've got, he's got to go to the gym. He's got to watch his diet. Yeah. But also that's how I met him. I met him as that person. And they're like, yeah, but she's like, there's no, but if he's, you know, him going to the gym, it's like even now, 13 years later, if she says, oh, can we go to the cinema tonight? And I go, no, I've got to go to the gym. Doesn't get mad one bit. Mm. She's like, oh, okay. What about tomorrow? Okay, we'll go tomorrow because I'll go to the gym earlier. Mm. That's it. And people might go, oh, it's like, no, because she knows how me going to the gym is one of the biggest points in my, is one of the biggest things in my life. And that's why when I went through my depression and everything, which we've not really spoke about, but that was one of the hardest parts of my life, not being able to train. And, but Sarah knows how important that is to me. So therefore, I'm that person. Now, when I was with Sarah, when people say to me, they know how important my life is. If someone says to me, to Sarah go to the gym? I'm like, no. I, she's literally not going, she's gone to the gym like five times in the last 10 years. Yeah. But they're like, oh, but how do you find that? I don't give a fuck because I met her when she didn't go to the gym. I don't care. I love her. And she, you know, and like she works late at work. She works, you know, the way what she does for work and her what her passion is and what she's good at takes her time up. And that's what she and she doesn't go to the gym. I don't care because if I wanted a gym bunny, I would have met a gym bunny. Mm. I met a pisshead party girl at that point. <laughs> so in our first five, in our first five or six years of our relationship, maybe more actually, her job was it was in marketing. So she, a lot of her job would be going out entertaining clients. Yeah. So she came, she was drunk literally four or five days, nights a week. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I didn't love it because of, of health-wise, not because of anything else, yeah. just health-wise, which we sorted out later. But I wasn't going to, I didn't get upset about it because... I met her like that. That's who she was. That's who so I fell in love to do with. At that time, right? It was a necessary. Oh, yeah, but what yeah. I mean is, though, it was I wasn't going to change it. Yeah. Because how could I change it? It's who I met. 
You yeah. don't go into a relationship with, ooh, this is a good um, project. I'm going to change this person to who I want. Great. That's when, you, that, that is literally when there's no respect in a relationship. That's when you don't respect the person because, for one, you want to change them straight away. If you meet someone, the first thing you think of, oh, I need to change the way they dress, the way they do their hair, and the way they act, and then it's the perfect person. Well, no. that you've, you've literally taken away every bit of respect and power from that person. So therefore, that relationship is, in, to me, in my opinion, that relationship's not going to work. And it, it doesn't have to be in a business and business, this kind of like I keep saying, where me, me and Sarah are, it's just respect for each other. So, you know, I know other people talk about this. If, if you're doing business, you know, you've got a business and you're working your ass off and, and your wife is a housewife, but they work their ass off and they look after the kids and but you still respect them you don't try and change them that and and you do what you can to help them out when when, you know you help each other out it's not about two people going trying to strive for business it's just putting each other no matter where you are you put each other on the same pedestal you love them and you just don't try and change them and i think that's the thing about me and sarah we've not like changed we've not even tried to change each other because for one we've loved each other for who we are and secondly how yeah we just we just have you know that's what when i meet people they go oh yeah when i first met him he was doing xyz so we had to stop that it's like what yeah and that's when relationships to me don't work it's when people go into it with the with the premise that they're already going to change them yeah and that's the one thing I, i would say is the biggest thing about me and sarah and that's when we said about oh you know when you get married things change not one thing changed for us. We just had a we just had a big party and carried on as usual. So so like move, transitioning slides. You mentioned about how training was important, so important to you. And we've barely talked training in in, in a, you know for a man who's a trainer. Um, but going into sort of like um, you mentioned about your sporting career a little bit, and then you, you glossed over trying to like going into bodybuilding. Like before going on to sort of what you do now and that transition, like. What was what is it first that made you get into like from competitive sport into bodybuilding? And like what were the biggest lessons that bodybuilding taught you? And what were the biggest drawbacks of bodybuilding? Because there's got I'm sure there's pros and cons. Well, I'd always wanted to be a bodybuilder. Hmm. Literally always. But rugby and athletics, I could I couldn't do that. It was more about um, performance and to achieve my goal and obviously always always being told to be bigger was always was always in my head and then I got into the bodybuilding because when I joined UP when I was 30 it got to a point where I was like okay well I'm in the I'm in the right environment now because I still wanted to bodybuild like before that but I wasn't in the right environment I was in a virgin active home's place doing personal training as a personal trainer that wasn't a place to be a bodybuilder i wasn't surrounded by those people so my mentality was your 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 environment is everything that's why i've started training much better now because like i'll jump back to that in a minute in st albans it's it's pretty um how do i put this a well-to-do area it hasn't really got those kind of gyms around the whole atmosphere is not, you know, you go into the gym, you kind of get looked at funny if you make a bit of a noise and 
the biggest guys like 90, you know, the biggest guys like 90 kilos and they're the big guy in the gym. And it's like, okay, it's, it's not the environment. So I've now I've moved to Essex. I've got ripped gym around the corner. Fucking hell, I walk in there. Now I want, my back of my head, I want to go, I want to be a bodybuilder again. Um, it's just that environment just fired it up in me. Not going to be, but I still want my physique and my training to go to the next level now again because I'm in the right environment. But anyway, so when I joined GP, it just put me in that environment. It was exactly what I wanted. It was, okay, I'm here. Now let's stop, let's stop bitching about it. Let's stop wanting it. Let's not do it. So that's, and I was at the age when I'd done pro rugby. I kite surfed around the world for like three or four years. Um, another thing we've not touched on. Um, and then I went to, I've done other jobs and that. I've been in the front cover of some magazines, been lean, done some fitness shows. And then I was like, right, I kind of pushed it now. Let's get on, on without being blunt, let's get on some drugs and get big. Um, because I've done everything naturally so far. I've got, I've done some really cool shit naturally. Now I want to see what I can do. I've, I, I want to push myself to the max now. I, I've always been a case of pushing myself to the max. Whatever I do, like I lost myself the last few years, but my whole thing, I don't like mediocrity. Mm. Just personally, don't like being media, bit mediocre. I like being special, always have been. I want to go forward, being something different. And it just, I was like, right, let's just take this shit to the next. Let's see what the fuck I can do with my body. Because I always have done. So that's what drove me to bodybuilding. It was like, I've always wanted to do it. I'm now in a position where I've got people around me who will push me and I've got the knowledge to do it. Because when I worked, when I walked into UP, at the time I started, virtually at the beginning, beginning of UP, nearly 10 years ago when I was there, 11 years ago, the, there was about 10 trainers and probably about seven of them were 120 to 140 kilos. You know what I mean? Shredded. So, <laughs> you know, when you're in that environment, you're like, okay. And you can let it intimidate you. But for me, I just got, I walked in there and went, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking let's go. Let's do this. Let's just have some fun and experiment, learn um learn by doing let's just let's just fucking crack on so bodybuilding what it taught me just again the hard work and if you bodybuilding again is one of those things the the only reason i like i i got i love bodybuilding was because in rugby like your team could fuck up your fallback could miss a tackle and you could lose um your fly half could miss a kick and you could lose even if you've scored three tries, you've had the game of your fucking life. Literally, the game of your life. You still lost. I played a game for England. One, one of my caps for England, and I, I'll never forget this, I touched the ball once and made one tackle. I literally was just standing there for like, you know, you know for, the, for the time I was on the pitch. Literally just standing there. Yeah. That's the England cap. I feel like that was a pointless. Whereas athletics you cross the line you cross the line first but i know bodybuilding was one of those things where it just taught me if you put the work in you get it fitness to me this is what like the body like someone's in good shape 
it just shows me they've got dedication and hard work ethic because you don't get a good body. Yes, there are some genetics out there, but generally you don't achieve shit without hard work. And that's what the body shows you. So when people, when I was walking around at 110 kilos, people knew that I was working hard. People knew that I, was, I didn't miss a meal. People knew I didn't miss a session. People knew I was training my ass off. And because they know that's what it takes. So when all, all of my, I don't want to say bodybuilding because that was just one part, just training in general, I just believe it just teaches you that in time you'll get what you want. If you put the work in and you just keep to it day in, day out, you get it. And it's the only thing, the only thing in life what actually guarantees you results if you put the work in because you can be at work and work your ass off and be overlooked because the boss's son gets the job even though he's a fucking retard he'll get the job or a girl sleeps with someone and gets promoted above you this is life it happens everywhere whereas or the person just a boss that does not like you even if he steals your work you're working your ass off the boss steals your work, tells his boss it's all of his, and you're just sitting there going, what the fuck? And while he's getting promoted, and he's a joke. This happens. Everyone's listening to this thinking, yeah, I've been there. In the gym, though, if you go in every single damn fucking train your biceps, guess what? In six months' time, your biceps are going to be bigger. Mm. Full stop. If you put the work in day in, day out, you get what the fuck you want. And that's what I love about training. And it's, the, it's like Henry Rollins had that saying or whatever, that quote of, you know, 200 pounds is 200 pounds, no matter what, how, what day it is, no matter how cold, how hot, it never lies to you. It never steals from you. It never cheats on you. 200 pounds is 200 pounds. And that's the kind of way I feel about it always. Training's honest. Training is the most honest thing in the world. You can't cheat it because to get results, you have to go in daily. To get results, no matter how you fucking feel, you feel like shit. Uh, you know, someone in your family's passed away, whatever it can be. But you know what? The weights will always be there for you. The weights don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't steal. They're, they're honest. And I, 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 that's kind of how I feel about like training. I don't want to say bodybuilding because to me, it wasn't any different to the rest of my world. It was just a different style, if that makes sense. Yeah. I've always, so yeah. That to me, and that's why when that's what training means to me. It's just that it's always going to be there. It's honest. And it, and with some, if I see someone with a good body, it's quite funny because Sarah jokes about it. When you see someone walking down the if you're down the beach or whatever, and someone and you and two guys walk past each other who are in shape, what do they do? You know what they do, they nod. Yeah. They have a little nod at each other. Why? Respect. Because you know the other person has been dieting you know the other person hasn't missed a fucking workout for the last two three years yeah so you have a little nod like sarah laughs it all the time you have a little nod of good man yeah, yeah, yeah you know what i mean and and that's what i love about it and that's what that's what training means to me and that's what and i don't think and no one and no one can take that away from you and that's the only place in the world where no one can take your effort and hard work away. Mm. So where, like, 
I don't want to say the word shift because I don't want to say shift like you're doing something else now because you are still bodybuilding. That is still the goal. And I, I want to get away from the prehab rehab mentality because I know you, I think this way, and I know you very much preach this way is that I'm teaching you to get, to move better, feel better, look better while still training fucking hard, not sitting there with a rubber band doing balance ball on a Bozu shit. So, but when like from the, original hardcore pure bodybuilding days and you've now moved to the shift into sort of like right i'm now going to start working on how i move perform better and then bring this all together where did that sort of shift in approach happen to you was it that you were starting to get injuries in the gym and niggles or was it just something that just inspired you through your education like where did this kind of piece get fit into the puzzle do you know what a funny thing was when when I got, well, I, thought, I didn't really get injured. When I went through my dysfunctional time, I, I, that's what I'm going to use, it was annoying because I wasn't ever going to compete again. I wasn't going to bodybuild kind of in a sense again. There was an old saying what Paul Check said, which stuck with me when I was about 20 years old. He said, um, you build the engine first. And then you teach teach the driver how to drive. So I was always, my whole point, I was never going to bodybuild forever. But I got to the point where I actually was giving up bodybuilding in a sense. Uh, I was never going to compete again. And I was just about to start training athletically. I felt great. I was 92 kilos, shredded. And I was training like a fucking beast. I was strong. And I was like, do you know what? Because I've always wanted to look like um, an American football player. Do you know that kind of, they're jacked, shredded, and they're just sprinting down, jumping around. Like a mixture so, between like Terry Crews and Justin Bieber. That's like Nick Daniels' idea. <laughs> but I just kind of like, I had built the body now. I was literally at my physical, in my head, I looked exactly how I wanted to look. And I was the strength and how I wanted to look. And I was going, I was at the point when I was like, right, I'm now going to just take that onto the track and jump around a bit more. That uh, literally, I was, I was like a centimeter away from my fucking dream. And then life happened. Life hit us hard. And that's when I realized how much stress mental stress affects the body and how we have to look at the allostatic load and that's why i always go on about the allostatic load and stress because i felt it fucking instantly i was superman i literally that's the only way i could explain the day when i, I was feeling like superman i was like come with what i was doing it was like trap bar deadlifting 250 kilos i remember the session i did um one of the last ones before i you know it went bad i was like deadlifting 250 um trap bar deadlift for like six to eight reps straight into uh, farmers carries with like i think it was around 80 90 kilos per arm into slam balls and i did that for like six sets because i like i, I love doing that kind of training hmm. i built myself into exactly what i wanted to be i was a fucking machine while being shredded and then some very bad shit happened. My life got turned upside down. 
And I literally woke up the next day. I felt awful. I couldn't train. I literally tried, I tried to train. My back started spasming up all the time. My, every time I tried to do chest, my neck would just came and the next day I'll be cracking and I would have headaches. Um, I just felt I was falling to pieces. I, I literally, I tried to do a bicep curl. I couldn't feel my biceps. I tried to do my chest. I couldn't feel. I had no mind-body connection. My back was spasming up all the time. And I was like, fuck. And I was seeing all like these really cool, I was like, at that point, I started doing like NKT and ART and seeing all these people. None of this was working. I was studying it myself. I was seeing some people who are like the top people in the industry and couldn't work all this shit out. And I was just like, this ain't right. There's something wrong here. But no one, everyone, the old school way of thinking just was also technically, to me, the old school way of thinking, nothing was fucking working. I was like, this is, I couldn't train. I mean, I could not train. Just nothing felt right. I was in pain all the time. And then I started looking into more stuff, more and more stuff. And it took, it's taken me about, I started, I started feeling better. And I started getting my body in a position where I could do stuff. And that started going down the breathing, breathe, I hate to say breathing roots, but because I hate it when people say breathing, it's more, it's just optimal breathing, optimal movement, getting our, getting the thorax, the diaphragm, getting our body moving correctly. But it does really come back to breathing. Um, and I started making my body feel better. And I started to move how I wanted to move again. And then lockdown hit. I was like, for fuck's sake. And I couldn't train again. So then, and the mental thing happened and it was just going back and forth. And it was just, so over this time, I've had to learn what the fuck was going on for my own shit. Cause I was never going to sit there and go, okay, that's it. It's over for me. I, I'm not that person. I want to, I want to lift fucking heavy shit again. I want to run around and sprint again. I want to look fucking awesome. I want to do this all again. So I've got to learn and teach myself what's going on in my body. So I, I, I had to learn from necessity because no one else was giving me the answers, which I was seeking. And I, I was thinking a different way. When I started thinking the way that I think, no one else was thinking like that. So I was like a little island. And I was like, okay. So I was experimenting, trying different things, researching different stuff and coming up my own way of thinking. And that's where the rebels came from because it's like, this is my way. It's 20 years of hard work in different areas of fitness, mental and physical, comes together in my specific way of working. Um, some people might not agree with it. Some people will love it. The fact of the matter is it fucking works. Um, and it's a different way of thinking. And that's why I called it rebels because it's rebellious. it's rebellious against what most of the fitness industry think because i'm the fitness rebels is all about i'm not a bodybuilder i'm not a rehab i'm not a movement specialist in such i just incorporate i don't know what to call myself and what i do the problem is the industry which i found is that we have the rehab and movement people over here who 
are coming up with really fucking weird fancy exercises which i honestly don't think do much or if they do i can do the same shit somehow lifting up some weight so it was like trying to take the movement stuff these like don't get me wrong they're fucking amazing people with amazing ideas but my way of thinking is that i can take this and put it into the gym but then you had the gym guys who were very much the old school rotator cuff you know external rotation and internal rotation and very this old school rehab sense and there's no, there's no one in this kind of middle ground of going right how can we improve your pain and improve your way you move but let's just fucking let's look sexy as fuck let's still be awesome because you get these people saying oh yeah just move really nice don't worry about aesthetics that's like that's all ego and everything else and let's be hippies over here and then you get the people the meatheads who are like don't worry about fitness and health and movement it's just about being big it's like well no let's look fucking there's, there's a time and place for everything and it's a sliding scale if you want to be fucking huge you've got to give up some mobility and shit but you've got to know that and you have to know when to bring that back into someone's that's where periodization or that's when your programming comes into play if someone wants to be really mobile you gotta know okay well your strength's not gonna be your strength's gonna dip because you can't be really mobile and really fucking strong yes there's some freaks out there but generally the whole point the stronger you get the more the, the stiffer you need to be to generate that force and stability to create that strength. So it's just knowing when to play with these modalities and when to push, when to go and what one to work on for the people's goals. And the problem is people don't think they can achieve their goals because they've been fed this bullshit of, oh, I can't do a marathon while being strong or I'm 40, so I can't have this or do you know what I mean? It's like, well, no, you can have what you want. It's just all comes down to programming. And don't let anyone tell you that looking good is a bad goal. But at the same time, you have to look at the mental aspect of it. Because looking, if you're trying to look good to make yourself happier, no, it's a shit goal. Because looking, trying to be happy, that six pack won't make you happy. Get yourself happy to look good. I would go the other way around for most people. The people that often, yeah, you, you might the process might make you happier along the way, but if you, it's much harder. People who haven't got their shit together going into a diet, find it much harder. Need it all. Yeah, well, I, I said it every time when I was bodybuilding, I, when I went through happy periods, I was leaner without even fucking trying. I was like, damn, I always said it. The happier I was, the leaner I was. That comes down to, you might stick to a diet better, your cortisol, water retention, sleep, there's a million things it could be, million of things. But generally, there's a million things you can put into that pile. But generally, being happier made me made, made you leaner for a million reasons. Yeah. But if you're trying, so, but there's this whole world of what I get pissed off with is I don't tell anyone you can't have anything. You can have anything as long as you put the work in and you give it time. You can have anything you want. If you want to be on a track, and do a bit 45, 50 years old and be sprinting. Cool. It might take us three years to get the strength, mobility, strengthen your Achilles and get you on the track, get you strong enough, body, plyometrics, blah, blah, blah. It might take us two, three years. But if you're willing to take that time and put the work in, you can have that. If you want to be a bodybuilder, if you want to be whatever, 
you can be whatever you want, but you do, but no, if you want to be an ultra marathon runner, you're going to lose some muscle. You're going to have to put in hours of running and hours of training a week. So you're going to have to say goodbye to that with your kids. If you're cool with that, just know where the boundaries are, but you can have it. And if you, if we can plan your life and plan the time correctly, you can generally have anything. And I'm not about saying having abs is point like James Smith, fucking having abs is pointless. Don't, it's narcissistic. And it's, it's like, no, that's your own insecurity. It's a fucking fat fuck. It's, it, it's his own insecurities about it. It's because he can't do it because he's an alcoholic. But anyway, it's not like, he's not an alcoholic, scrap that, but you know, he drinks a lot. Yeah. So he wants to drink instead of having abs, which is fine. It's, it's values it's, again. It goes back to his values, right? And like, it's, exactly. It's so that's to, cool. You know, that's, yeah. I don't have an issue. I, I know I, said, I just said that, but I don't have an issue with it at all. My issue is when he says to everyone else, it's narcissistic and don't don't worry about it. But it's like, no, if someone wants it, let them fucking have it. Yeah. But as long as the mentality you're right, the lifestyle's right, if it fits into your lifestyle with your family and friends, but then even then when we talk about goals, if I said to Sarah, right, for the next three months, I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna diet. We're not, I can't really go out for meals. Or if we do go out for meals, I need to be able to eat literally like chicken and veg because I'm dieting. Um, training's a priority for the next three months, which I kind of have said that to her. She's like, cool. Yeah, because I'm being open and honest, and I've said this is my goal. It's, it's going to be short lived. So for the next three months, I need your, I need your help. And yeah. She's like, cool. And that's again with goals and setting. Like I said, with family, if you said to your wife, your kid, you know, whatever, if you're like, okay, look, I need two months to be like, I'm my time and dedication into this. Sweet. So this comes back to that's where fitness levels have gone on a tangent. There, yeah. fitness levels came from is it's just kind of like. I, I like to live in that in, in the in the middle part of where people tell you it's wrong or it doesn't work or that's different. My way of working, my way of working is very different to how everyone else will work. Yeah. And that's I rebel against the normal way. I rebel against the normal mindset. Yeah. I think that's where yeah. Yeah. No, so I, so I was saying like I think I think we're talking about like, you know, there's a really important thing you mentioned there about you when you when you're dieting you say to Sarah it's three months and I think a lot of people when they struggle with the goals it's struggling with prioritizing um like they can't delay gratification to prioritize something for now it's like you don't need this forever but you need to prioritize this if you want a big return on your investment and like the other thing I thought was really interesting you mentioned there was about almost being in the middle ground like I think you and and Jordan Shallow I've carved this niche of being this middle ground in a world where the fitness industry has become in a way, very splintered. You've got, as you said, you've got the rehab guys on one side, which are um, completely all like 15 minutes of warm ups, fucking band drills for 20 minutes before you even lift any weight. And you're kind of bored and run out of time before you even start your A series. You've got the, the people that just goes, just fucking lift. Doesn't matter. Just train hard or go home. That, yeah, they, they probably end up, you know looking slightly better just by pure work ethic but end up broken in a year's time and then you've got the the rts sort of crew now which i'm not i'm not against rts at all i just think it's sometimes applied very poorly where you've got a lot of people pumping it that ideology where it's like i don't have that okay never ever go there again like 
there's a middle ground here. There's a, how do I still train hard? Yeah, okay, maybe that's my range now, but how do I get there? And I think the things I've learned from your and John's courses massively is, is unique ways of, like, how you load stuff, positions you put people in. It's like, you can sort of, to use a better term, hide the rehab stuff so it's part of your training where you're killing yeah. multiple birds with one stone. I think there's an art to being in the middle. And I think it it shows that you guys know your crap more than these people that go to the extremes because they cannot choose different tools. Yeah. And it's also because people like to be in camps. People like to be, it's lonely. Like Jordan had to build his own team because it was lonely being this little, I think like this, everyone's here, everyone's there. I, and that's kind of, like, I, I want to build my little rebel team at some point. Because it does get lonely being that person in the middle because people like to be in camps. You have the CrossFit guys, you have the RTS guys, you now got the breathing. Breathing is like a huge thing now, which I think, again, like everything's been taken too far. And like everyone's just taking everything because they want to be in camps, they want to be in groups, they just want to be part of something, which is fantastic. And but with that, along with that though you do get kind of like trapped into this way of thinking. And, and you're right. It does take a lot to come out and be in the middle and be like, okay, we, like you might need to do this stuff, but once you can do it, that's it. Done. Let's move on. But people keep doing it. It's like everything's progression and everything's just come. We've got to build on everything, keep everything moving, everything's blowing, everything driving. And that's where people get stuck. And but as you said, it's, yeah, being in this middle, it does drive me crazy when I hear people say, as you just said, that I, I'm sick of people saying they're broken or, oh, yeah, I can't because of my knees. I can't because of my shoulder. I've been told not to overhead press because I've got this or I've got that or it's like, fuck that. We can improve this shit. And there's a, there's, there's you can improve this. There's always an element of truth in there. It's like, yes, you might not be safe in overhead pressing now, but the sentence shouldn't end there. It's like, this is exactly. now, now we do this stuff to get you there in time. Yeah. Like, fuck Sentence. me, you get all these people, you get these people who go to war, get a leg blown off and people, and they're still running around squatting and shit. And all of a sudden someone goes, oh, I've got back pain. Oh, you should never squat again. I've got long femurs. You should never squat again. It, it's just like, nah, fuck this. It's like, I'm just bored of people using an injury or using something as an excuse not to, and there's a lot of these people who are teaching these courses use it as an excuse i technically if you when I, my shoulder was fucked i couldn't even put my hand on my opposite shoulder at one point and all the tests would have said label tear and impingement and all this kind of stuff and never overhead press ever again and i should go and get surgery and shit I'm now pressing 40k dumbbells above my head again. And it's like, okay, I've learned, I've kind of sorted my body out. I didn't have surgery. I've no longer got any pain in my shoulders. But at first, every sign led to a really bad label tear. It's like everyone said to me, go and get scans. Oh, you got a label tear, go and get scans. I was like, well, what's that going to tell me? Mm. I've got a label tear. So what? A scan's just going to tell me what I kind of, possibly know but how's that going to change me if i had a scan all that's going to tell me is i've got a label tear 
so what? Then you're going to tell me I need surgery. You bet it's, I know I'm going to basically sort out the, my movement. So I worked on the movement of my shoulder. And guess what? It's now fine. And I get a bit of clicking and clunking and osteopaths at my uni are like, oh my God, look at your shoulder, it's clicking. I'm like, yeah, I've got no pain. I can press 40 kilos above my head. I don't give a shit. I, it's, I think, well, you, you'd speak about like the, something really important when it goes back to your values of hard work in the sense of when someone, people have a lot of injuries, now we're going into this route of it's the, the prehabby route. Whereas how, most people I've seen with dysfunction, pain, um, like tightness, for use of a better term, it's it's, need, it's more often than not, with the exception of things like label tears, which is actually pure damage. It's like, I don't feel, I don't feel safe in this range. I don't want to go there. Nervous system says, don't go there. So it's like, if we found ways where you can train hard safely, how many of it is like, you're not training hard enough to actually create a response where you actually get stronger in the places that's going to make this, this feel better? Because I, what I can do, sat down. But it's, it's the fact that no one, you don't, people aren't investigating mm. why they are lacking that range of motion. Yeah. So why doesn't the body feel safe there? Um, that's why you should always do a passive and active test because if you passively, my shoulder can go there, but actively it can't. That's my body saying, whoa, 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 there's something I don't like mm. because the joint's given me the range of motion in the passive test. So I'm seeing some kind of um, a discrepancy there, which I have to look into. But you're right, the body's saying, I don't like it there, but let's find out why your body doesn't like it there. Like even a label tear, like you said, that's actual damage. Well, so what? We've damaged it. But guess what? It was your movement which damaged this. Let's look at what movement I was lacking so that fucking don't damage it. So you know, if I'm lacking a certain position, I'm damaging my shoulder because to be honest with you, I had, I'm lacking internal rotation on my left shoulder, say. Then when I was trying to get it, I was just smashing up the labrum or my scapula was not moving correctly. It's, I've done the damage because something wasn't working the way it was. So I need to get my body functioning the way it was. And once I, I learned more about what was going on, how to move things better and what, what, what could be going on, it's just now, as I said, I've got no shoulder pain at all. And, you know, it's, that's, that's what I got frustrated with more than anything was, people being told their life was over because they had a certain injury so therefore stop or change that range of motion the active range of motion but then what happens is that active range of motion gets shorter and shorter and shorter where we should be looking at going do you know what why aren't we looking at improving the fucking active range of motion why are we looking at decreasing the range of motion to improve your active range of motion that doesn't make sense to me i want to all these people are putting like uh, on the machines and that putting things to, um, behind the behind the arms and that to make sure they can pick the bar. Well, how about we just try and increase your range of motion instead of seeing where you're lacking and how we can increase that so then you don't need these apparatus to help you. Yeah. Um, but again, as you said, they haven't got the knowledge in that middle bit. And at the end of the day, I do pride myself in that. I'm fucking good. But that's 20 years of doing this shit and doing every course and doing stuff that's fucked me up and having to fix myself and fix other people because I fuck them up and it's you live and you learn and 
I'm good at what I fucking do. And like you say in Jordan, that, because again, he's been doing it like 20 years. Yeah. It takes time. You, you kind of have to go to these extremes because I got into, you know, RTS technically is what fucked me up. My interpretation of it, what I was doing, going to, to be honest with you, not normally happens, going to these extremes fuck you up. Yeah. Because going to going to every extreme will and will fuck you up eventually. You have to have this, you gotta be it doesn't matter if you're an extreme for a little while, but you've got to come in and out of it. And that's how we that's how we become resilient is working on all these different zones. If we only work in one extreme, you're gonna be fucked. Yeah. I think um I think that's a that's a that's a great segue to sort of like like close off and start talking about like you know what you do in your fitness level stay and i and i was going to bring this up earlier and i i feel i feel weirdly proud of 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 your development in the fitness levels brand because like i think if there's i don't there's very 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 few brands that i generally think this is a personal brand this really does represent you and you mentioned this obviously rebels in terms of being rebelling against the way the fitness industry thinks and that's partly why the way you call called it but I, I remember vividly of times where you weren't feeling like you were yourself and times where I remember in particular that the rarest occasion I ever saw you have a drink and we went for what was supposed to be one glass of wine at Dinarama ended up being four bottles deep and then we, we got into it. Between six of us. True. Yeah. Uh, no, there wasn't. There was no four, four of us. That was four of us. Okay, yeah. but still, there's still of us. That wasn't just two of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could, we got we got very merry, and 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 I remember that like at that time when you maybe were, were tr- wanting to start to be yourself, but you didn't really know how at the time. Getting a notification on my phone going, um, Nick adds you to um, Rebels WhatsApp group, and I was like, I was like, this showing now this become from from probably you thinking about the way you were thinking about training, the way you were thinking about yourself and being authentic, like we spoke about at the start of the podcast, into what it is now. It's a true representation of your journey. I think it was a very, very astute choice for the name of your brand. So after that fairly, you know, all-encompassing big up to your brand, tell everybody a little bit about where they can find you, what you know in terms of the podcast, what you do, your courses, your seminar coming up soon. Tell us a little bit about fitness rebels. Uh, this is this is where I'm really bad. I'll get better. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fitness rebels. Unfortunately, someone took the name um, on Instagram. So on Instagram, it's Nick the Rebel Coach. Um, I've got a, an annoying thing is the people who have got the name Rebel Fitness. I'm oh, sorry, fitness levels. I've only got like 500 followers. So it's I quite am. annoying. But I, I, to be honest with you, I'm going to message them soon and see if I can. But so, yeah, Nick D Rebel Coach is where I am putting stuff up at the moment. Yes, I'm not too good at that. Me and Simon had a discussion on how I'm going to be experimenting with things and trying to put my in-life personality into my social media which I find particularly hard. So I'm going to try and work that one out over time. But yeah, so Nick D, Rebel Coach, where I put a lot of stuff up. And my stories are trying... My stories, I think, I think you'd say are more, more me. Yeah, you, more, yeah, my per, more my personality. You see me come across in my stories. 
my bad my bad dress oh my dress sense and my uh bad jokes but so I've got instagram and then i have my mentorship which i take quite a lot of pride in it's my baby it's kind of where the fitness always mentorship is where i'm teaching you guys to think i don't give you answers um, I give you the way the body works and, and ways that we can integrate things and the ways that you can start thinking outside the box when clients come in and ranging from the very basics to the complex. But it's things what I think trainers need to know to be awesome and to get amazing results to their clients. So it goes from the mechanical side of things where I'm going to make you think about the body in a completely different way. But in a way, as trainers, you can still use exercises which you see on a daily basis and what you probably use already to fix certain issues and to decrease pain and increase mobility and, and movement. But just with little tweaks, with the, what I teach you, just little tweaks and little ideas on why you're doing stuff. It's like I say, it's more of a shotgun approach rather than a, a, uh, a machine gun. It's like, okay, that person's got that. If we just move someone's Copenhagen to here and rotate their pelvis, boom. Okay, sweet. That's because now we're doing X, Y, Z. So it's more of a thought process, which I like to try and teach you guys. Then after the mechanical, we go into the physiological side of it. So the parts of like blood pressure, respiratory um, system, the cardiovascular system, um, stress, because then how the physical side of the things is also with the inside. So outside and inside. And then finishing off with a little bit how to bring programming together, um, considering the stress on the body. And when I say stress, I mean the training, the outside life. Everything is stress. So it's my baby. And so I love it when I get messages from rebels, or the rebel crew saying, oh, my client has no, no, I've fixed my client's pain. I've done this. My client came in six, six years of back pain. I've done X, Y, Z. And they know they sent me this message. I get messages all the time mm. of photo photographs of messages what their clients have sent to the trainers. So that, that I must admit, when I ever feel down, I look at them because they do fill, my, fill me with warm and fuzzies. That really does make me feel proud of what I feel when I have people doing that. Then I've got my and obviously on my on my rebels doing smashing things. I've got clients, which again, when we're talking about fitness rebels, I literally have got a guy who could not walk across the car park because his knees hurt so bad, and he could not even pick his baby up out of his crib because he had such bad back pain. He's now we've now got him doing his second strongman competition, which he never thought he would ever do, ever. He's picking up 160 kilo Atlas stones. And this is a guy where 18 months ago thought his life was over because of so much pain. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's the kind of stuff I do. I like, I like fixing people, but at the same time, achieving awesome shit, yeah. as I like to say, making them fucking legendary. And then I've got my podcast, uh, Fitness Levels Radio, which I must admit, again, I've had the pleasure of some amazing guests. Um, which again, to be honest with you, it's one of those when I have people agreeing to do my guests, my shows, just because they actually know who I am and that is uh, again a little bit of a 
okay, give myself a little pat on the back. Yeah. Because there's some cool guests on there. Um, so go listen to that. Um, I don't, I'm busy at uni now. So I'm now dropping less than usual bi-weekly um, compared to what I used to do. But there's still some great ones in there and some great ones coming. So, yeah, I think that kind of covers it. The mentorship, online training. And I, and I, can, certainly vouch, I can certainly vouch from, from having done your course twice. Um, and it, it is definitely a must for any trainer want to learn their craft, especially if they're training general population where people are going to come in with niggles and knocks and injuries and but want a physique goal at the same time. Um, and I, I love the fact that there's almost a, a loyalty bonus that people can cost-effectively do with a do it multiple times after the first time, which is, it, it's a testament to you saying that you're there to teach people to think rather than just do. And because it repetition is encouraged and uh, the podcast, there's a back catalog of some phenomenal guests on there. Um, you know, like it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely had a big inspiration in me running this podcast. I'd have to say is some of the stuff you put out there and, you know, like, yeah essentially just keep up the good work but thank you very much nick for jumping on this has been really 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 fun i I need to see if this is longer than luke lehman's podcast but it's probably close um but i will definitely put in the show notes all your links as well as um stating that it's worth every single second no matter how long it is (laughs) i just can't believe uh the subjects we spoke about i wasn't expect wasn't expecting that but um, that is the aim it's it's very strange because on my podcasts, obviously, I don't talk much. I'm asking the questions. So yeah. how, being asked the questions is a very strange, yeah, it's very strange. And I'm believe it or not, I think that's another reason for social media. I don't like talking about myself much. People think I do. People actually think I do, but I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's been absolutely fun. So that's awesome. Thank you very much, mate.